Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Speech Check. I am Sam. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 7. And today we're going to talk about Disco Elysium becoming addicted to loot boxes and the next decade in gaming and what it might hold. But, before we talk about any of that, Sam, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? I have been playing uh, Luigi's Mansion 3. Okay. Which you spoke about, I believe we spoke about on the last episode. Yeah, uh, episode before last, I think we spoke about it. Okay, so we have mentioned it before, and that's that's very thoroughly gone over it. And I can confirm that it's a fantastic game. Uh, I've actually put down amazing nine out of ten. Really, that's a, I'd, I'd full on given that number. If you're listening to this and you liked the original Luigi's Mansion, the GameCube one, I didn't play Dark Moon, so I can't verify, but I imagine it's in the same kind of vein tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll definitely like this game. I'd even go as far to say. If you own a Switch, this this is like a must-own. Wow. This, Ultimate, Odyssey, Breath of the Wild. Those are the four games you should own. That, okay. should, be, that should be in every collection. As your like, key lineup. Yeah, yeah I, can, you, I can see that. Or if like, it would definitely be in the top three. If you're buying it for your son, daughter, whoever, for birthday, Christmas, whatever, mm-hmm. get one of those games with it, and they will not be disappointed. But yeah, it's really good. It's oddly... As I was playing it, so I'm about probably halfway through now. It's oddly similar similar to a Lego game. I don't know how many Lego games you played. Uh, I played Lego Indiana Jones. Okay, that's that's they're primarily all the same, mm. but they have like a you go in a room, you basically destroy everything, and then everything you're left with is stuff that will solve a puzzle in that room to get to the next room. How you traverse from the entrance of that room to the exit okay. to the next room. All right, it's a bit different because Lego is almost primarily co-op based so I call it like leapfrog puzzling so mm-hmm. like this character can do this thing but you need to make it so the other character who can't do that thing can get across a okay, gap I see. Or yeah. like that. and it kind of does that with the Guiji uh, stuff mm-hmm. not as heavily but it does feature but basically you go into a room or you go into a new floor every floor is themed uh, so like there's one that's like a like a medieval thing but it's like a medieval you know like this weird US uh, like dinner and a show things oh, where you God. watch like a fake jousting thing I know I know exactly what you I mean I can't remember what it's called yeah but I mean we don't have them here yeah UK, it's not so. it's not really a thing but yeah there's one version of that some okay. of the, some of the things you come up against I'm a bit like I don't know if it's me being stupid or I've got too used to games kind of handing me the the answer on a plate but you basically cycle through your abilities you can either suck stuff up with the vacuum mm-hmm. blow it away with the vacuum you have the plunger, like you do in Ultimate as Luigi's Grab. Okay. Which you can like attach to stuff, and then you can do the slam, or you pull like a drawer open or a door open or whatever. Okay. Um, you have Guigi, which can obviously... He can go through like grates, like you said before, and like mm-hmm. fences and stuff. Or um, he can like slide through vents to get to other areas, things like that. It's basically you go in a room, you hoover everything up. Yeah. You get your money as you do in the game, which I believe, I, what I would imagine will contribute to the grade of ending you get at the end okay the s tier whatever mansion or hotel you get will, is based on the money okay um you go and you suck everything up do get all your money get all your collectibles and then you basically everything you're left with like in a lego game is like, okay this is the stuff i have to do a specific thing to and you just kind of cycle your abilities yeah so okay. you until yeah. you hit the right thing okay but uh it, it, it's just really good yeah i would definitely recommend it to all did you uh how do you feel about the combat? Because I remember that was one thing uh, yeah, when I was researching it. It was quite shallow, apparently, or not. Yeah, so great. I think, again, 
not want to keep pinging it back to a Lego game, but again, like in a Lego game, they just kind of throw a load of dudes at you and you can just mash X. It's not that level. Mm-hmm. It's not like kid level, but it's definitely not difficult. You can circumvent it by doing the slam and stuff. Yeah. But it's not... I don't know. I felt like the, the combat in the initial one, the, the OG Luigi's Mansion that I played, yeah, was more of a nuisance, whereas this, I think, is a bit more woven in a bit and it's not too obtrusive it doesn't happen enough as well where you think oh come bored of that it's like they do it for just around that time okay it seems like from what you're saying the focus is on the puzzle solving more than anything anyway yeah that's the primary balance of it and then you might go to leave a room and then they do the thing where the room like you get a ghost block over the door or something like that and like you have to clear the room before you can leave so that kind of thing okay yeah, it's it's really really good. I'd recommend it to anyone who likes games. If I ever see it on sale, I will I'll pick that up. Go for it. I I was able to get it because I got it for my birthday. It was my birthday since we've had it. So happy birthday! Thank you. Um, and last night I played. I've written down Reddit two. I played more Reddit two, but I'm gonna okay. gloss over that. And instead, last night I kind of just was looking for a game to play. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, I'll I'll search through my my 360 because. I replugged my 360 back in. Looked through the games I had on my library, and I had Destroy All Humans, Path of the Fuel, which I believe is uh, the third one. Okay. Not the... Did they do a remake recently? With the I Ramstein? think they've announced they either have or are. Ramstein trailer? Yeah, I... I thought that was what you were playing. I was like, I didn't no, really no, I played like the... I played like the... I think it was an originally an Xbox game. Okay. And then they... Uh, put it on 360 i might be wrong on that but hmm. uh, that name doesn't ring a bell to me but it's weird it's a bit trippy it's mm-hmm. like a it's a very of the time open world game they went for a theme so it's set in like the late 70s yeah and it's kind of got the roswell alien type vibe about it i mean i've only put probably two or three hours into it but it's fun it's fun to just have your abilities they have enough like skill trees in it like weapons and you have a flying saucer yeah um there's enough collectibles to get around without being like an insane amount. Okay. There's like 30 in each area and the areas aren't like insanely huge. Walking around on foot's a little bit tiresome sometimes getting from yeah. one end of the city to the other or one end of the map to the other. You can jetpack but it's not like a just like land let it cool down and then you do it again. But yeah, what, was, what is the what is the gameplay of it? Uh, there are just like there's fairly generic story missions there is an overarching story um i haven't paid too much attention to it, I, I must admit mm-hmm. but it's kind of just you have main abilities of like you can body snatch people as like so you pose as a human to get into a, a an area you're not allowed in because you're an alien uh destroying stuff destroying people or take this item to this place that's the primary okay focus of the tasks and then later on in the uh I've basically only done the first area, which I guess teaches you all those things. Mm-hmm. And then I've done a bit of the second area, which kind of... Whereas the first area would be like, uh, destroy a thing, take this thing to there, do this. Whereas the, this mission, they just kind of stump this together. So they're like, take this to this, and then destroy this. Okay. So it's not in, it's the, the game design isn't insanely deep, but it's good. It's fun. I think I paid like... A pain for it on okay. sale, so <laughs> well, it's probably worth that. I imagine. Yeah, if you see it on sale for less, I would say less than a fiver because it's quite a rare game to come up. Yeah, uh, less than a fiver, I, I'd go for it because it's it's oh. just fun. 
Okay. Some of the stuff's funny as well. Like you can mind read people, and I've probably mind read. I went on a spree of doing it. Probably mind read about two hundred people, and I didn't get one duplicated line of dialogue. Seriously, I thought that was quite impressive. Attention to detail. Mm. Nice. Yeah, enough of my rambling, Matt. What have oh. you been playing? Is it my turn to ramble? It is your turn to ramble. Ramble on. So I've been on a on a two D uh, hype the last week or so. I've been playing Hades and Blasphemous. Now, I do not know what any of those things are, so enlighten me. Okay. Uh, Hades is from the same developers as Bastion and Transistor. Okay, I know those. Whose yeah. name escapes me at this point, but that's not important. It's a roguelite um, action RPG, okay. I guess. It has, um, has those elements in it, but it's not... Yeah, yeah, strictly it's, it's, that kind of game. It's very Enter the Gungeon. Um, okay, I know you're a big fan of that. I've not personally played many of those, but I'm not I'm, a big roguelike guy. But I'm a slave. I'm a slave to a, a roguelike. I just I get so much mileage out of them. Uh, I, I love Slay the um, Slay the Spire for that reason as well. I like roguelike gameplay. When we're talking roguelite and roguelike, I thought I'd I'd clarify you're in, you're the difference. In, yeah. just while we're chatting about it, because I was confused for a while about it. A roguelite has persistent elements so Hades is rogue light because you get weapons that you carry on to your next run you get little trinkets that level up as you do more stuff um there's, there's a bunch of small things that progress as you progress through the game a rogue like starts from zero every single time okay so if you imagine the binding of isaac that's closer to a rogue like because the only thing you unlock is the potential to receive unlocks in the dungeon. Your character is exactly the same at the start yeah. of every single run. Um, but that aside, the game is freaking awesome. It's an early access right now. Um, you play the son of Hades, trying to escape uh, from Hades, the place. So mm. Hades, the god, Hades, yeah. the place. Uh, and you're being aided by the gods of Mount Olympus in, in that. So you go into a room, you defeat a bunch of... Um, monsters that are in Hades and there's depending on the room type that you have you'll then get a boon that's dropped from that god and they have amazing character artwork amazing dialogue and awesome uh, voice acting I'm a sucker for since since God of War like that that made gods awesome mm. to me not that gods weren't awesome before but when you you know put it in a game when you got like Zeus and Ares and all things like that yeah I'm a, I'm a sucker for that so and they, they each do like their boons are related to their powers as a god so anything from zeus will charge your attacks with lightning or give you like a bouncing attack um dionysus is quite a good one because he's like the god of wine and he gives people hangovers so you get dots like damage over time effects and everything that you hit um, depending on the ability that you have nice uh but it's just so good like the the production value on it is so high like everything is just so tight and it's early access and they're they're about a third of the way through and i've played it for six hours um another friend of mine has played it for 10 to 20 and still enjoying it still loving it really good really really good um blasphemous nice. i'll, I'll just, i'm just gonna slam straight into blasphemous go for it this is i think last last time we were chatting i said i was annoyed at how people use Soulsborne and metroidvania and all these yeah. kind of terms this game actually is a metroidvania so you have um You've got your, your 2D map uh, a la Super Metroid yeah. that shows you doors in the environment, where you have been, where you haven't been, where your save points are. Like It's just like Metroid set up that way. 
Uh, the setting, I'd say, is kind of Dark Souls inspired. Like, it's very like pseudo religious. Everything's quite grim, dark, and serious. And you have um, like melee based combat where you you parry and hit stuff, and it's quite easy to die when you rest. I'm saying rest. You're not you don't rest. You pray mm-hmm. at these uh, shrines, and when you do that, it respawns all the enemies in the area. You have a flask that you break on you to restore your health. So it's very Dark Soulsy. Very like heavily borrowing elements either from that or very close to what dark souls has yeah yeah it's it's borrowing those kind of themes but it's wrapped up in a a 2d uh metroidvania experience and i'm enjoying it it's more frustrating than hades because when you're in a rogue like dying is like right okay next run and you just Mm. go and go and go and go whereas getting reset can be a bit like oh god you feel the pain a bit more the pain of your failure it has a really nice animation style not knowing too much about 2d animation uh i think it's like rotoscoped so you get your character on it's super minimalist like a black background and your character's there and all this crazy stuff is happening because we're in dark Souls style everything's terrible um and you you got this oh, i can't i don't know if i can actually do it justice describing it i'll try and get those you two words need to see it you think you'd need to see it so i would youtube just the opening and just see the art style. Just have a look at it. And in fact, there's a demo on Switch right now. You can get a free demo to play it. So I would say go and download the demo. And if you're into kind of challenging 2D side-scrolling experiences, right up your street. And Hades is amazing. Definitely get Hades. It's 15 quid when I got it. 100% worth it. I'm going to get hours out of that. Cool. And That's that it. That's what we've been playing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What do we have here? So now we've covered that. We now move on to the releases. Matt, what yes. has been release head? Well, I've I've gone back to November, October for the releases this time because it transpires January isn't a great release window. It's not a good month to be born mm. in. I do now that I am of the age that I am, I felt so I feel sorry for my parents having to buy me stuff for my birthday when I was like a kid. December, January holidays. No one's got any rough. money. It's rough. Like having just had Christmas as well. Mm. So you want to be. Have have a June June July baby. Have a summer baby. That's I I think I've hit a good point because I'm I'm April, so I'm like uh, again. People, yeah, yeah. You just don't want to be January and February, really. Yeah. You want you want the the weather to turn a bit, but again, a digression. Yes, me. What am I saying? I'm saying, Need for Speed Heat, developed by Ghost Game, coming at us November eighth, twenty nineteen, is the next installment of the long running Need for Speed series. Been going on a while. Having a bit of a a drought lately as well. They've not released a good game. In three years, I'd say, maybe? I'm not necessarily a car guy. New Speed's always been, like, the I think the cooler looking of the racer games. Like, it probably wants to be Burnout more than, mm. more than it is. But to be fair, from what I've seen of, like, the art surrounding it, Heat looks... I quite like the Miami Neon. I'm a bit of a sucker for that stuff as well. They've lent heavily. Lo- yeah, it looks like it's that way inclined. Yeah, they, they've, they've lent heavily on the... The neon, uh, like retro wave kind of aesthetic, yeah. And they've got they've gone into their arcadey roots, I suppose. They've got they've taken the best parts of the series, slammed them together into one experience, and they've abandoned. It's interesting you mentioned burnout because I think burnout really nails that fast paced arcade feel. And I think there was a time where maybe Need for Speed was a bit threatened by that, so they went for a slightly more realistic uh, Fast and the Furious. They kind to... of move more similar. It was somewhere between, I think, Burnout and like Forza, where Forza was like pure heavy sim. Yeah. Where they wanted to have they... some kind of real world story going on with police and criminals and stuff. And that, and I, I remember that not landing at all for fans. Well, I played 
well, I played the original Most Wanted. Yeah. Which was like you, it was like a street racing ring, mm-hmm. and they, I think they had like FMV sequences, and it was just kind of, it was, a, it was a bit cheesy and a bit laughable. It was kind of gave me Resident Evil vibes, where like you mm. went up against the a dude who was like, you're not gonna take me down, mm. like that kind of. Mm. Yeah, it gets a bit a bit cringy, and they've abandoned all that. They've gone, like I said, back back to the arcade style. You're in an open world, Burnout Paradise style racer. You go around, upgrade your car. I don't really like racing games, to be honest. This is just one game I hadn't covered. One of the few games I haven't covered yet. So if you like Need for Speed, I'd say wait for it to go on sale. Because I all, I, that, I swear that's my advice for every game. I'm like, if you're I'm gonna, cheap. Wait for it to go on sale. Yeah, wait, wait for it to be cheaper than it currently is. Yeah, bad advice. Don't get it. I, do, I think no. it's a good game. Don't get it. I don't think it's worth it. For me... I'm not a racing fan. If you're really into tuning cars, it, it has a. It's interesting, right? Because they have this real arcade feel, but then they have a real heavy emphasis on tuning. And I don't know whether those two elements marry well together in a game. Uh, so if there's somewhere you can get a demo of it, give it a play, see what's going on with it, maybe. But for me, I was pretty uninterested, as you can tell, even in the reviews. I couldn't really <laughs> muster the. the uh... I think, yeah, it's hard to diversify in a racing game. So if I'm going to play a racing game, I'm going to play one that has some kind of novelty to it, which is why I think Mario Kart applies to a lot of people because yeah. you do the same thing intrinsically as you race around a course and it's the first uh, first one to finish. Yeah. But there's just a lot more... There's a lot more element of randomness. People enjoy it more. It's not as serious. You know, it's it's lacking, on a, lacking on a USP for me. Like When, yeah. when I was listening to people read, or listening to read people talk about it, it could have been anything. It could have been any racing game with any name. There was no, I don't, there's no identity to it. Yeah. Whereas something like Burnout, I played and actually liked Burnout Paradise. Burnout Paradise how, was a good game. And it was so over the top. You know, it, it defines a name for itself by being crazy. Whereas I feel like this is falling into like a malaise of generic racing games. So I'd say give it a, give it a miss personally. And I'm going to move straight on to my next one because I can't be asked to talk about that anymore. Pokemon Sword and Shield coming at us from Game Freak, the 15th of November, 2019. This is an interesting one to talk about. Uh, because there's kind of there's little bits of controversy flying around about there's it. There's some nuggets about it, yeah, which mm. I thought people would kind of just be a bit happy about it, but they were feeling very sort of shortchanged. Well, Game Freak said a whole bunch of stuff about the game, about how it was going to be a real uh, current-gen experience. It's going to be a, st- a massive step up from the handheld versions of the game. You know, good graphics, good animations, uh, lots of Pokemon. And those three things were basically lies. Uh, they cut down the roster of Pokemon massively, like hu- below you, what you'd get on a on a GBA. Mm. Like t- a really small roster of Pokemon. The animations uh, range from average to terrible. Um, to be as some of them aren't as bad as the whole model staying still and like almost like a kid playing with it, you know, moving it like a figurine. So if Pikachu would do headbutt you would just slide in place and then backwards quickly. Oh. And like that would be the whole animation for that attack. You'd probably get better animations on Pokemon Go, right? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Well, you'd certainly get better in Ultimate for mentioning Pikachu. Uh, yeah. I've got that on the brain today. Um, but yeah, it's that's kind of disappointing. And the graphics are maybe not so great. And it's hard to produce a game with poor graphics on the Switch now after Breath of the Wild. Because Breath of the Wild did so much with the hardware like more than you think you could do with it. Like it showed amazing vistas. You had really good uh, draw distance, 
which you don't think you could get. And they, I know they did a bunch of smart stuff to hide the edges of the technical capabilities of the Switch, but it doesn't seem like Pokemon has done those things. So you get some dodgy models, dodgy textures, average animation. On the other hand, it's Pokemon on a console. And yeah. at its core, you are playing Pokemon. You're in a small town, you wake up, you pick one of your three starters, you challenge eight gym leaders, and then you beat the com- comparative elite four, whatever they're going to be. It's that story again. So if you like Pokemon, you will like this. Uh, I want to get it. I, I really want to get it, but I'm finding it difficult to justify it to myself. I'd definitely play it if someone had bought it for me. I get it as a, yeah, as a gift. It's I a great gift to I receive. Wouldn't pay for it <laughs> and they the nintendo games don't like drop they don't, in yeah, price so either. It's like, i think we've discussed this before yeah, 45 quid or nothing so like, I, yeah. I don't want to pay 45 quid for it we discussed where that is you know where that is right Why they, is that? No, they don't, don't they don't reduce the price of the games because they see it as a uh like admitting a degradation of quality what so they're like no our games will never be that's why yeah you don't really get unless stuff's <clears throat> Uh, you're getting stuff through like CEX or secondhand. Yeah. If you want to buy it from an official source, no way. The price is not that. I think that's how they used to justify uh, the seal of approval, as much as it got hoard out. Mm. That, yeah, that, that was a lot. That was like a buffer to be like, oh no, we can't do this game because it's one of our seal of approval games. Well, that's an aside, but a very interesting one. I didn't know. I didn't know that was the uh, the reason for that. Uh, so, on a from a casual standpoint. If you enjoyed Pokemon as a kid and you like that kind of gameplay, you'll play it, you'll like it, you go through it, it'll be alright. I've heard it's easier than what I'm calling the core franchise, like the ones that we grew up with. Yeah. It's much easier than that. And segueing on from that, the competitive scene, which I know maybe not a lot of people are into from for Pokemon. That didn't even twig that that would be a thing in my head, but I guess of course it would. It's it's kind of rumbling, making some rumbles in the competitive scene. Um, so you have IVs and EVs for Pokemon, which are individual values and effort values. Uh, a Pokemon is generated when its um, when its spawn is called on by the game. It's generated with IVs, and that that's just how it is. And its effort values are what you train it against. So if, for example, if you beat Zigazagoons, they give more. I think it's special attack or something. So if you've got a Psychic Pokemon, you want to train specifically against Zigazagoons because. So you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. You have to think about the Pokemon that you have, the values it has, and how you're training it. Now, there are candies in the game that allow you to change those values or maneuver them in some way. There's more flexibility to that, okay. which, in my opinion, I think diminishes the effort involved in raising a Pokemon to a competitive level. Now, that's kind of a little bit easier. Yeah, it's like a more of an in-game sort of pay-to-win, I guess. It is, yeah, it's in odd, a way, not as heavy. It's an odd, but... Yeah, it was an odd choice. Um, I kind of get why they're doing it, trying to make it maybe more accessible. Mm. I suppose um, their argument would be well, you don't have to buy them. Yeah, but yeah, and, and so f- well, I don't. I'm going to say so few people get involved in that side of Pokemon. I don't know the figures for you know competitive Pokemon players, but I can't. It imagine is a thing that. that hasn't been exposed to us. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not popular as yeah. popular as other uh, gaming franchises. So there's that, and then there's also Dynamaxing. So I'd have to talk about for for this, which is where you make your Pokemon huge for three turns. Oh, I've seen. Yep. It does like special attacks. Um, I think it's okay in the raid boss settings. So some Pokemon turn up like raid Pokemon and you have to get two or three trainers together to fight them so that they become small and you can capture them. Or actually, you think you can capture them Dynamaxed. Um, But again, in the competitive environment, it's completely useless really because you'd never Dynamax 
unless the other person dynamaxes. I don't know. It just seems it's it's like it's being banned in tournaments. A lot of tournaments just not allowing it. Mm. Um, I don't know. It just seems like an odd choice, an odd way to try and mix up the Pokemon formula is to have this buff that happens for three turns. It's kind of like the super evolutions in X and Y. I think they had like the you'd give them some some kind of food and they'd become a special variant. Oh, you could be like yeah, I've seen like you could be like Mega Lucario and stuff. Yeah, and like, like it, it was it was a slightly different form. With Dynamaxing, you're just massive, but in that in X and Y, I think you became a different type. It's like a, yeah, it's like a like, like an evolution, like a yeah, like a semi evolved form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say pick up Sword and Shield. It'll never go on sale, so do it if you like Pokemon. I I. I really want to recommend it, but I just can't because I know it's going to be 50 quid. Like, if you've got Pokemon Let's Go, yeah, do you need this as well? No, they're completely okay. separate. I think they interact, but they're completely separate experiences. Okay. Hmm. And on to my last game, which I mentioned in the intro. Disco Elysium. This one I'm actually quite interested to talk about. Coming us from ZAUM, the developers and publishers. It might be ZAUM, but that's how it's written. Uh, from the 15th of October 2019 this is a fascinating RPG murder mystery that won a slew of awards last year uh, best indie title best RPG it's got awards out the wazoo uh, you play a detective uh, solving a murder sounds sounds pretty simple um, it's its roots are kind of in LucasArts puzzle solving kind of stuff you know, like walking around the environment speaking to people learning things getting objects and trying to piece this mystery together in like a fractured uh fishing town the interesting thing is how the rpg elements come into it so there's um you, you you're kind of in charge of your character's mind which sounds like a weird thing to say because you you always are i suppose yeah you're controlling the character but the entire game is based around conversation. You're always talking to people. There's no combat. Um, all of the randomness and the die rolls happen within conversation. All the while, different parts of your psyche are like piping up in this conversation. So while you're having a, a, you're having a conversation with some guy who witnessed the murder and your empathy might come through and give you a bit more description few, few more descriptors about this guy that will make you make an informed decision as to what you say next. Or okay. maybe your aggressiveness is particularly high or your assertiveness. So you have extra dialogue options that you can push onto someone. You know, there's, And that conversation is happening inside your mind as well as with this character simultaneously. And I think that's like an, it's an amazing way to handle... You almost go into combat, but verbally. Yeah. It's like ver it's, it's, verbal combat. It serves that need, but just not in a sticks yeah. and stones traditional sense it's that loop but in like a different form yeah like, and when i was reading about it it was kind of a fascinating way to pick apart that that sort of system and put it into a framework that fits a murder mystery and uh it seems awesome really awesome i, I definitely want to get this I, I would say i would recommend it to anyone apparently anyone as well as a fan of dungeons and dragons it's a big D, &D okay uh, because of the characterization yeah and the way randomness works in the game Big draw for anyone who likes Dungeons and Dragons. So this is a two thumbs up pickup. It won won awards for a reason, for sure. Do you feel like if you are 
a D&D player you'll get the same or like the it was made with that in mind or it's just it just happens to have been come with that do you think the devs are, are D&D fans themselves I think the devs just know what an RPG is yeah uh, in in the traditional sense because I know now everything's an action RPG or it's has RPG elements and it doesn't it has a skill tree like a skill tree a skill tree isn't role a role-playing element yeah you know? that doesn't make it it's a it's a component that you can put into it but it's not yeah it takes arguably the most important part of role-playing, which is playing a role, yeah. and exposes that as a set of systemic and mechanical choices to the player, so you can truly play a role. You can choose how you go through the entire game. And yeah, it's fascinating, because I think it's a good... It's like it's like a gamer's game. You know what I mean? It's not for everyone, yeah. but people who get into it will really like it. Cool. I might check it out. That sounds cool. So that's enough of me talking. I'm going to pass over to Sam, who's going to tell us about news in gaming. Okay, again, I just want to put a disclaimer. It's been a lighter month <laughs> for for the gaming world. I think everyone kind of goes on holiday a bit. Yeah. Everyone enjoys the Chinese New Year in uh, in the developer publisher world. Yeah. Which is understandable. Christmas has just happened, but so the first nugget, as we always start with, the appetizer. Okay. Your nugs is. Dishonored is being made into a tabletop game Ooh. by Modifius, if I'm reading that right. Okay, yeah, they're a, a British tabletop publisher. Okay, I myself is not. I'm not a huge tabletop guy, but okay. I know this might pertain to a wider audience. This might pique your interest a little bit, Matt, as well. I know it does. Uh, when you say tabletop game, do you mean uh, role playing game, or do you mean like a board, like a board game? I want to say role playing. Okay, cool. But cool. I think it's it's in a a D and D vein. Okay. But they're, they're working uh, in collaboration with the guys at Arcane Studios, so okay. the, people, the people that made Dishonored. Mm-hmm. That's always a good sign for me. I get very worried when a project is being made, and the original people that came up with that project aren't being consulted. Yeah. Like if you if you made uh, tried to make the Marvel movies but didn't look at any of the source material. You know, you you'd, you'd chance, get like the yeah. OG superhero movies, which were just bad. Yeah. Uh, it is a 2D20 system, which I understand means a 20 sided dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. There you go. I'm, I'm Max, Matt is my fact checker here. <laughs> I don't know what I'm getting onto. Well, but. I've never heard of a 2D20 system before. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, it has a 300 page book with a four act campaign in it. Wow, so okay. I, don't, I don't know if there That's... is a strict DM or a DM role within the game. It's, from that description, it sounds like it's a um, a D and D like game. You might say uh, a, a traditional tabletop role playing game. Uh, I've not played that many one. Uh, I'm not a huge tabletop gamer in general, but this I've definitely played. This. If I saw this, I went to like if we went to Chance Encounters, mm-hmm. I saw this. Uh, I play that. I really want to play the XCon game actually. Oh that, yeah, that's like intense. We've got Chance Encounters here. We should check yeah, it out. We'll do, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it. And the Resident Evil game. Apparently the Resident Evil game is meant to be all right. Really? Yeah. The board game? I think so. I think it's... I want to say that Nemesis is in it. Oh, okay. And right. like, you have to like avoid him on the board, I think. I'll check that out. That yeah, sounds interesting. But, but yeah. Um, what would you recommend, Matt, as a, as a tabletop game? What is... What are you, what are you putting in there? What as, is in my, terms, in my terms favorite? Of one, you could put a favorite or one necessarily that is like a maybe based on a video game or in a video game related vein. Based on a video game, if uh, you played any. I I don't think I've played one based on a video game. Um, I've played Warhammer Dark Fantasy, which is based on the 
tabletop game. Yeah. I've played a little bit of Vampire Bloodlines. Uh, yeah, I'm aware of that. But that the game came after the mm. the, the tabletop game for yeah. that. Um, I've, I primarily I played Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, um, I'm on fifth edition now, as most people are. But I know 3.5 was super uh, popular and Pathfinder. But I've I've not played a um, yeah, I don't think I've played a tabletop game as an RPG. Yeah, based on a video game. Based on a video game, no. Okay. Well, there you go. Maybe pick this up. I don't have a release date on it yet. Okay. The story I looked into didn't have a, an official release date because I think it's quite early days. But it's when you when I hear things like origi- uh, OG Studio that was working on it, you know, a 300-page detailed book, campaigns, they're obviously taking it seriously. They're not just trying to cash in on the, the name that of people that like Dishonored. For know? sure, yeah. It so. looks like it's a, a serious and committed attempt to make a decent game. Uh, nugget number two, Dying Light 2. Mm-hmm. So I played a very, very small amount of Dying Light 1. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of cool. I like the parkour mixed with the, the night-day elements. I did play Dead Island 1, which was also Techland, which yeah. felt like felt to me like a tech demo for what they wanted uh, like to test the mechanics of for Dying Light. Yeah, for sure. I I, I liked uh, Dead Island one. Yeah, it was um, all right, and I liked Dying Light as well. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think of the two, I think Dying Light's a more fun game to play. Yeah, it's more polished. Yeah, but yeah, Dying Light two, it's been delayed. Whether that's good or bad, I suppose it's good from a sense that hopefully they can make it better. Mm-hmm. But bad, obviously, if people if you're waiting for the game, but hopefully it's a a longer payoff for a longer wait, but. It's been pushed back from its spring 2020 date. It didn't have an exact date. That's all they had was the uh, season. I was okay. Say, I was going to say term then. They didn't really provide any details on it, but there was a note published on Twitter from the devs that was like a... It wasn't just a simple statement. They made like a... I guess they made it in like Photoshop or something like that. Like a, like an in-game note, which is pretty cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, they just basically, basically said the game isn't finished. We need more time. So at least... They went the... I'm going to call that now the Metroid Prime 4 approach. Yeah, and, and since Metroid Prime 4, I can see there you've got a couple of other ones that are, have been pushed back. But... Yeah, there's some a few other definitely AAA releases. So Cyberpunk, which is probably going to be the game of the, game of the year. Oh, yeah. You know. It's shaping up to me for sure. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I'm not a Final Fantasy fan, but I've heard that like, that is... If you ask a Final Fantasy fan which is your best game, generally seven is mm. the game. I'm sure there's other good ones, but that's generally the point to as the kind of the the objective best. Yeah. That's been delayed and the Avengers, which I'm I'm a bit on the fence about. I don't really I've seen some weird things. It looks that is that does not I think like doing a, a superhero game. game is hard. Because how good, do you man. how do you make yourself not insanely overpowered? Like with uh, Batman it works because it didn't have superpowers. I mean the Spider Man game that came out recently was great. Yeah. Uh, so I I think in the right hands a superhero game can be good, but there's a lot of little pointers that would suggest to me it's going to come out and be incredibly underwhelming. Like not having any of the original actors in it. They can't get the license for any faces. That's a bit of a, an alarm bell and just looking at the gameplay that you like you go into separate sections of the game when you play different heroes. So if you're in a Hulk section, you're like you do stuff in a Hulk map, and you've got Hulk interactions. And then when you're Iron Man, it's like a flying sim. You know what I mean? And so that, it feels like I don't know. Those are tiny little games rather than one big game. And it's, I guess if none yeah. of those things interact, 
I, that's why I feel. That's why I worry. That's why I worry about it. Yeah. And a, a comparison, just off the top of my head, if it is like Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers for PS2, that game, that classic. Joe, I don't even like Lord of the Rings, right? And that game is fire. <laughs> that, that game is really good. It's a good game. It's a good game, and you play. You play. You can play any of the characters in any of the missions, and they each have their own play styles and strengths and weaknesses. Just FYI, Legolas. Aragorn. I was a support, so my mate would play Aragorn, and I'd play oh, Legolas. Okay, so backing out. So. Or Gandalf, because apparently he's an absolute badass. Like in that game, you're just like cutting through armies worth of. Uh... He's he's literally a one man army. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's loving it. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm detracting from it. Carried away. Go on. No, that's right. I'll talk about Two Towers. I don't get many chances to talk about Two Towers on <laughs> yeah. PS2. It's not something so. that comes up often, is it? No, Just I didn't play Return of the King, but apparently that's often references. Uh, it was being, good. Being just as good. I have... The Two Towers is like the strongest memory for yeah, me. Yeah, like, I definitely play that more. I remember like playing that on the PS2 in like, my mate's garage at like three in the morning. Oh. Like, we were getting right into that. that. The game's hard as well. Yeah, yeah it's no slouch. It's it was, like, it was not really... easy. That yeah. and the third age, but I'll let you carry on with your Okay, cool. Enough. Of that. Like, maybe, maybe we'll make a new Lord of the Rings segment on the podcast. Where we just, <laughs> just, just Lord of the where Rings. we just sit and reminisce and remember our <laughs> favorite Lord of the Rings game. <laughs> uh, okay, T- TBC on that one. My next point, nugget number three. Oh, basically, yeah. To sum up, everything's delayed. Uh, nugget three. Apparently, sadly, I was a bit heartbroken to find this out. Valve is quotes definitely not working on Left 4 Dead 3. Makes me sad, but it's understandable because Half-Life Alex kind of made everybody go mental. Yeah. As much as I want Half-Life 3. Is it, is, is Alex going to be VR as well? Is that what they, they... I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so... It'll be interesting, to say the least. Yeah. But I have, I've got faith in Valve. They're not... You know, they don't do things by halves. They usually go all in and there's, they've got quite a high benchmark of quality for the most part, I'd say. Whenever they release a game, it's always good. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time they released a bad game. So, apparently they haven't been, they quotes haven't been working on it for years. They apparently looked into it maybe five, six years ago. Probably not too long after uh, Left 4 Dead 2. And if I remember right, Left 4 Dead 2 came out like quite insanely quickly after Left 4 Dead 1. Uh, within 18 months, I think. Yeah, which, you know, for a game of equal the size, I imagine there's a lot of borrowed assets and stuff like that going on. Yeah, yeah, I remember there being a it being a bit of a stir at the time actually, because you know you just got right into Left 4 Dead One, and then they're like, "Oh, here's Left 4 Dead Two, and and it looked like it could be DLC. Yeah, that's yeah. Fair and they enough. were still re- they were still releasing DLC for Left 4 Dead One while Left 4 Dead Two was out. Do, so. do you know right? So as as a an achievement hunter, I've got a tiny little story about that. Oh yeah. So they you had the passing campaign, which was a DLC oh, yes. campaign, yeah, yeah, which was available for both games. They had the same achievements as DLC on both games, and you had to buy it on each game. Wow. You had to pay £5 for it twice. That's a bit. And I did that with my mum's debit card. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know, 20 then. And, and you needed those, those sweet, yeah. sweet I was gamer like, score. Mama, my points. <laughs> and she was like, I'm going to have my what? points. Leave me alone. <laughs> Take this and get the hell out of my sight. Yeah, I love my mum. She's great woman uh yeah so those are my nuggets basically things are delayed dishonored tabletop game sounds like it's gonna be pretty cool uh and no left new no new left 4 dead but from what i know on pc left it's pretty well supported and played even now 
Okay. So I've not touched it in a while, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think if you went back on there, you'd still find a pretty solid community on it. So. Okay. But yeah, into the main news. It's going to come up again because... There we go. It, seems, it probably seems like anyone who's listened to this for the duration of the episodes we've done, that I always seem to mention Epic or Fortnite in some way, but it's because, you know, they they penetrate a lot of different markets. Everyone knows yep. who they are. It's like if you talk about that or Minecraft, people, even people that don't play games are going to know what you're on about. Mm-hmm. So, first one, I've dubbed it Ninja Skin. Not his actual skin, like we, not, not we talked about earlier. Yeah, I yeah, know. But probably the most well-known streamer or popular streamer uh, has got his own skin in Fortnite, finally. It be- it's actually him. Yeah. It's not like they've said, oh, we've made this skin for Ninja or he's designed it. It's you look like Ninja. Okay. So uh, they've added it in. I, do, I don't know. It was weird. It said it was on sale for like three days. And I, it would seem weird at that if they made that limited edition because you'd think they want to make as much money off that as possible. But That sometimes works, though. For... Yeah, I suppose you get all that sale. All the sales you'd get in a three-month period and a three-day period. Yeah, and then in six months' time, they'll say, oh, the Ninja Skin's going back on sale. Get it now. Yeah. And so so they're, they're crunching. they could be crunching up their sales rather than having them. Yeah, so it might be smarter, I guess, so. But yeah, apparently he's uh, there's four different versions of him in the game. He's got like his standard version. He's got like a mask on, and then he's got uh, sorry, like a balaclava. Okay. And he's got like a balaclava with like demon eyes, and okay. then he's got a, like a super elite one, which is like everything and plus another thing, which I can't remember because I'm not looking at a photo of it. But they're, ha- they're <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know that because I'm looking at you. Yeah, we're making eye contact right now. So, yeah, so I, and I'm not a photo of Ninja's skin, either his no. actual skin or the Fortnite. Yeah, skin, that's so. true. You know, Matt. If Matt is anything, it's not a liar. So yeah, there we go. Uh, so yeah, that that happened. Apparently, he's going to be part of the Icon series, which is they're like immortalizing the top streamers. And I don't okay. know a lot of the top Fortnite streamers. I assume they're all really annoying. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and, and possibly. Some celebrities as well. I know celebrities with the, the Fortnite, is it the World Cup or the tournaments they've had? Celebrities have kind of dabbled with it. Like Drake did a stream, didn't he, with Ninja? Did he? Drake yeah. did a stream with Ninja? That must have been awkward. Like he was like at his house. Oh, God. So yeah, I, it was well, a little I'm bit. i look that up because that must be a cringe fest. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that the DJ guy, Marshmallow, he oh, yeah. he partnered with him, didn't he? He won oh, the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. So he'll probably be in it. Almost okay. definitely, because he literally is kind of a Fortnite character. Yeah. If he's not already, if he is, correct me. Mm. Um, but I'd imagine that he will be going in it because he's like his look is the exact kind of thing that I expect to see in Fortnite. Yeah, for sure. So, on the the details of the outfit, he has an edge bling backpack, which shines exactly something which I think Ninja would own. Yeah, uh, he has his own emote, and he has jewel katanas, which is like his version of the the pickaxe that you get in Fortnite to break stuff down. Okay. So, all right. Uh, I think the cost either was, is, or will be. Yep. Fifteen hundred V bucks. I don't know how that relates to real money. No. Um, probably. It sounds expensive, but I have no idea. It's like I don't know. It can't be more than five. There's a Google like cash convert of V bucks to to pounds. So, so uh, this is probably more. This, you, you keep talking. I'm going to do this. Well, I was saying about I converted. Uh, I had to look up. Um, so I went to Budapest my birthday it's a tenner that's a lot of money jesus now i'm angry yeah a thousand v bucks is seven pound 99 apparently okay roughly yeah no they use they use two currencies in budapest by the way oh yeah they they have forints where it's uh ten thousand forints is two pound fifty 
Okay. Do you make fifteen? Like no. Yen. So it's no. kind of yenny. No, twelve quid. Oh, okay. 12 it's quid. Not so, so it's not bad. it's not insane, I think. But yeah. Um yeah. Daniel nearly like had a breakdown when she took out sixty thousand foreigns and <laughs> didn't know how much she'd taken out. But they also <laughs> take Euros. So they have their own money oh. and they also accept Euros. Okay. So it's well odd. But a complete digression about what I did for my week off. With all this happening with the the skin and making new skins about streamers, celebrities and stuff. I think this is the way, I think I've mentioned this before when I talked mm. about Snoop Dogg being an announcer. Oh, yeah. This is the way I think uh, devs need to go. If you're going to make, you know, crappy little microtransactions, have it as like that. You know, you can get like Darth Vader or like Mr. T as like your sat-nav. Just do that. Just make it like two two pound and fill your marketplace with that. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, yeah, I guess. If yeah. I was a celebrity as well, I'd be like, yeah, I'll put put myself in there. I'll record some voice lines. It's the same as when you get people that read audiobooks. Yeah, you just get to hear the voice of your favourite celebrity yeah. in, in your favourite game, right? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure like Stephen Fry reads all the Harry Potter books. Yeah, he does. So. Yeah. Which is cool. I'd, I'd do that. Uh, again, moving on from that related topic, sticking with the Fortnite. So again, Epic have blown me away in the, in the marketing sense. Wait, what? Yeah, so Matt's reading this now. So they have partnered, Epic have partnered with TikTok, oh which if you don't know what God. it is, it's quite hard to explain. Uh, it's definitely not for our demographic. It's, it's definitely like, for the generation before and, and yeah, lower. Any, yeah. any of us, Gen Z. After, after, after us, not before, right? Sorry, yeah. yeah. Gen Z and, uh, and lower. It's like Vine, but unfunny and for 10-year-olds. Yeah, it's a very odd thing, but... You, you basically kind of film yourself generally to music or a skit or something like that. I'm feeling really old mm. explaining this because be, people... I'm not, that, I'm not chiming in on this, mate. This okay, is for, cool. Thanks for <laughs> leaving me out to try. You're older than me, so I don't know what you're I know, right? that's why I'm not talking yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> is this on the YouTube? Um, <laughs> Can I get this on my mobile telephone? <laughs> they, they partnered with TikTok for a contest that they've dubbed Emote Royale. Uh, so people submit their own sort of dances and crazy crap whatever they want to do to be used as an in-game emote which i think is actually really cool it uh, is tiktok has an insane audience like billions of users mm. you get some crazy popular people on there it's probably one of if not the primary social app that i would say like below 16 year olds probably use yeah, I've got younger siblings and they all use it. I'd say besides messenger apps, it's yeah. up there with the most uh, accessed or download. For sure. Yeah, it's, but I think that and Instagram are probably the two chief ones that yeah. they get like a a younger demographic. But yeah, they've partnered with with uh, TikTok to do that. So if you use the hashtag uh, Emote Royale Contest, film yourself, send it to them, and then they'll put you in the game, which is pretty cool. You get your emote in the game, you win twenty five thousand V bucks, which I can't remember what your calculation was. Uh, was Seven pound ninety nine for a thousand. Okay, so a decent amount. Yeah. Uh, and you get four hundred dollars worth of Fortnite toys and swag. It'd probably be all crap. You can sell it on eBay, but they're still giving yeah. you stuff. So and it's it's cool. As much as I want to hate them, I think their marketing is genius. How many people are going to be hitting with that? How many people are going to be exposed to Fortnite? Yeah, they just they 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 always find they seem to be just finding new ways of reaching new people and increasing that penetration. Because even even yeah. if they if like fifty percent of all the people that do that come into the game, and the fact that it's like there's no barrier because it's a free to play game, so like there's yeah. no, it's not like they've got to then go oh yeah but I need to put down twenty forty fifty quid dollars whatever for the game yeah 
there is no barrier other than them going, okay, I'll just go home and download that tonight, or I'll get it on my phone. It's, it's yeah, crazy. they do it right there. They could they could yeah. see the hashtag, submit it, download it immediately, and begin playing. Yeah, so I, it's bravo to them. They yeah. they just keep like you say, keep finding new ways to penetrate more audience demographics. Yeah. So well done to them. My next big one is uh, a little bit more serious. Uh, the NHS mental health director Claire Murdoch okay. has reached out to companies. Oh no! Uh, developers and ask them to end loot boxes, saying that they set they are setting kids up for addiction. Okay. I think this is a little bit OTT. Personally, it might mean not mean anything come for me. She she is a medical professional, so she may have oh, a I lot more of... information back in it. But it, I don't know. Like I I feel like if we were twelve thirteen now, yeah. in, in the way the gaming ecosystem is set up Mm -hmm. i don't feel like i wouldn't get that i wasn't spending money and i understand it's different for you know it's got to do it on a case-by-case basis sure but my cousin who is like seven eight or has been using like games with in-app purchases in that time yeah he is aware he's spending money yeah as much as they try and i don't think it should be masked i feel like sometimes it is Mm -hmm. because you know that's why you have you can if you need that's why you need 5000 diamonds and you need them and then you can get gold. It's, why it's never it's ne- like even with V-bucks, right? It's not mm. this is 20 quid. It's this is 100 million V-bucks. So you have no idea of the relation between the V-bucks to the pound to the the value of the object that you're buying. They're just trying to object. separate as much as possible to make it feel like I mean even spending stuff on for me in real life, spending stuff on card is a lot easier than having to hand over physical cash because it's just yeah, yeah. it makes it less real. When co- you contactless just... as well. I find sometimes I get a bit frivolous and I'm just you know. If you, away if you get a, if you get a round in and it's, it's like thirty quid, handing over a twenty pound note and a and a ten pound note is a lot more painful than just putting your card against the yeah. machine because it just doesn't feel like it. But, yeah. but yeah, she argues that there should be greater transparency and protection against in-game spending, which I'm I'll support that. I think that's better. It should be made. At least maybe not to the kids, but when you click on to, I don't know, are you sure you're going to download this? It should spell out for you in, in clear English. Yeah. And there should, there needs to be some kind of thing of parental block where you can do it so you can't spend as much money or you can make soon purchases in a day. You know, this is, I, I think this conversation has come up before when Microsoft points were first introduced. Because they were the first people... I thought they were geniuses, like evil geniuses for introducing that. Yeah, they, they, they were one of the first places that did a kind of uh, point transactional system. Mm. And they were forced to stop it after about five years, five, six years, because it, yeah. it, was, it was deemed not fair. Because so, well, it would have been if you could, you could buy points in 500,000, 2,000, 5,000, I think. Yeah. And that was obviously blocks. I think 5,000 was like 50 quid. But then the games they sold... Were like eight hundred and twelve hundred points. So they're always creaming an extra. Yeah. So like, if you quid if, off you. Yeah. So if you want, uh, you know, if I download a game that's, if I buy a thousand points, for say eight quid, if I want to buy a game that's twelve hundred points, I have to I have to buy another five hundred for like two hundred fifty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So this, that's what annoyed me. Even as like I was exposed to that when I was about sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. That, that and, was and, and I was sixty. Yeah. I was like, this isn't fair. This is amazing from their side from a moneymaker point of view but yeah i was aware that i was having to spend money to get that but it's a it's a, it's a similar kind of conversation right mm. 
where this isn't fair to mask the value of objects in a game. If you did away with any kind of secondary currency, then you wouldn't have the problem. Then mm. we wouldn't be saying how much is 1,500 V-Bucks. Would we? Yeah, we're going to have to we'd Google say, oh, 10 it. quid for that. That's not worth it, you know? Yeah, when you, when you then suddenly hear the real money valuation of it, yeah. you're like, absolutely not. No way, I'm not paying that. 10 pounds, mm. no way. So, but yeah, she's released a statement including the following... Uh, the following point, sorry, to ban sales of games with loot boxes that encourage children to gamble, introduce fair and realistic spending limits to prevent people from spending thousands of, I assume, pounds in games, mm-hmm. uh, make clear to users what percentage chance they have of obtaining the items they want before they purchase the box, and support parents by increasing their awareness on the risks of in-game spending. To be fair, all that, I think, is is fair... And good stuff. Yeah, I can't I, see a problem with that personally. I, I yeah. almost, I'm almost annoyed if that's not happening already, because I feel like that should be pretty standard. But yeah, I guess, I guess the problem is there's no regulatory body to police that, right? Because it has to be like when this decision decisions have come up in other countries, it's been like their parliament that's sort of out. Yeah, so, their, their gambling commission and stuff yeah. will cut, step in and say that they're well monetary gambling is policed in every country mm. and if what you're doing in gaming crosses over into direct that generally seems to be yeah the argument that then. comes up is does this breach into our territory so we can make yeah, a ruling on yeah. it yeah i disagree with loot boxes as a mechanic paid loot boxes in any game it doesn't matter what they are i disagree with them as any kind of mechanic i i think randomness in games is incredibly important but it doesn't need to be uh front-loaded yeah monetarily for me it takes away or the, the developers like kind of washing their hands of any responsibility to owe you anything and that frustrates me yeah. it's like well you're gambling here with your money and you can get a chance at this or you can pay more if you want a higher chance but we don't guarantee you anything it's it's completely divorced from the game that it's in it's yeah. nothing to do with the game that you're playing it's just a way to get money out of the players that's all it is and it's, yeah. it doesn't have a place in gaming in my opinion my lofty, lofty opinion. Uh, I did have uh, a big old quote from a woman named Dr. Henrietta Bowden-Jones. Uh, Sorry, English which, name. Joe, you know I will read it out for, for the sake of uh, being, being as official as I can. Go on. <clears throat> as the director of the National Centre for Gaming Disorders, first NHS clinic to treat gaming addiction, I am fully in favour of taking a public health approach and bringing it bring in, sorry, a regulatory body to oversee the gaming industry. Gaming industry products currently causing great concerns to parents and professionals. Loot boxes are only one of several features that will need to be investigated and indeed researched. We need an evidence-based approach to ensure our young people and gamers in general do not continue to be subjected to new and increasingly harmful products without our intervention sorry the the way that was written was like it's in italics and then highlighted so it's quite hard to read and i'm far away <laughs> so, i was moving it for that last sentence yeah so but to be fair that's a pretty that's pretty much the points what we just said right yeah that's, that seems like a quite a logical thing to there needs yeah, yeah. to be a body and we need to look at it and we need to base it on evidence not just conjecture or opinion yeah so those are my news i hope you're all newsed up yeah, or news out or as, I, as i always say i am enlightened so that was the news. We now have the question. Matt, what was our question from last episode? The question from last episode was... 
what does the future of gaming hold? And by future, we mean the next decade. Yeah. So, I believe that VR will be a feature. Uh, okay. I, don't, I don't know if it'll be completely ironed out. I feel like people are kind of getting a bit ahead of themselves mm-hmm. at the moment, trying to implement it a bit too early. Mm-hmm. In my humble opinion, there's only one really good VR game, and that's Beat Saber. Okay. There may be a few hidden gems out there. If you know them, feel free to comment in the... Uh, oh, yeah, this, in the, this in might the, be on YouTube. It, so yeah. yeah, so yeah. Oh, will be, yeah. 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 Audience engagement. Com- comment below. With your favorite cheese. Yeah, do that too. But yeah, VR, I think, will be a feature, but the I've, I've put the application is crucial. So how they actually implement it. I don't think you should base a game around it. You should look to see how you can incorporate it into games rather than it being the main focus, personally. Okay. Or how it can enhance it rather than just be, oh, let's just make this a VR game just because. Games as a service, which I think is more or less how the, the bigger publishers are framing their games up anyway. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that we'll see more prominence or a definite rise of that. That's definitely the most lucrative model money-wise, I'd mm-hmm. say, to how you, uh, how you make your games. But I'll see, I think we'll see more of that. I actually think AR, augmented reality, is okay. a much more cooler tool because it's less intrusive mm-hmm. uh, and is more applicable to other games. I think if Arcade used AR... It would be a lot cooler. Mm-hmm. I go to more arcades. I love arcades. I think you do as well. Yes. <laughs> you sure? I did. I did love arcades. Okay, fair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think AR is personally for me better than VR. It's not as insane. Uh, you can do more things with it. I believe. It's less like, onboarding, right? Yeah, and it's like you don't uh, you don't have to put on a headset and kind of be. I feel like even though you're with a lot of people, you can st- like everyone's isolated because they have to experience it themselves, and then like yeah. other people are around. But that's just my my opinion. I think loot boxes and microtransactions are on a bit of a knife edge. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been we've seen some backlash with like Battlefront Two yeah. and a few other examples. Like people have clearly voiced their opinions about it. Yep. And I think it's it could go either way. If someone's going to push it too far, and then there's going to be a big kind of related to what we said in the last news but there could be some I don't I don't want to see real world because I mean sound like gaming is not a thing but more global interest and or regulation on, on video games in some way yeah so I don't think they'll be like illegal or outlawed but I reckon they'll, they'll, there's going to be a crackdown on it in some way and because someone's going to take it too far uh, and my last one I think that Indie developers are going to be primarily driving single-player experiences, and I think AAA are going to focus more on multiplayer. That's not to say it's going to be completely exclusive, because look at games like God of War, look at yeah. Spider-Man. I've had a little bit of a resurgence of late. Yeah, that's the, uh, primarily that focus. But I think uh, make, making, aside from exceptions, things like Rocket League, which I know has a really small dev team, yeah, it's only six guys, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they, I think for other stuff, they've like they get consultants <coughs> or get contractors to do stuff. Okay, that's a smart model. Yeah, um, I think that's the way it'll be framed. With if you don't, if you don't run a to run a multiplayer game, I think is with servers and uh, crashes and having a constant team of people to monitor that and look it's after upkeep. it. Yeah, it's a lot of upkeep. Yeah, I think to do that for a small team of devs is quite hard. Mm-hmm. So I think. Indies will run single player or push primarily single player experiences. Mm-hmm. 
and Trippier will focus on multiplayer. Okay, that is what I believe the future so holds. I, I didn't. I don't want to interject, but some of our points were. My, well, my points are similar to yours. Okay, we have that's fine. Similar thoughts, but we are similar men. Different. Well, yeah, we are. I guess. Yeah, yeah. both in Bristol. All that. Um, I think VR is in the wrong space for gaming. I don't think it's a gaming tool primarily. Uh, I think it'll probably see most used in like cinema and mm. television. I think that's where. I think it fits experience more than gameplay. Yeah. You, you are like viewing something rather than doing something, I think, anyway. But yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, the, uh, yeah I, I, f- I feel the same. You mentioned Beat Saber. Uh, that and Boneworks are the only two games I've thought, man, I'd like to play that with a VR headset. Everything else is tacked on, shoehorned. And I just don't think that VR adds anything to the experience of gaming that means it's a necessity. It, it I just don't I don't see it going anywhere. I think it might lead to a development, but it's VR will not be the primary thing in gaming yeah. within 10 years in my opinion. I think that controllerless gaming is going to become a thing for casual. Okay. Casual games. That's based on the the Leap Motion, which is a hand tracking device that uses infrared light and nothing else. It's a small bar, maybe like an inch long. You just put it in front of stuff, put your hand over it and it finds your hand. And that's it. So that's and I mentioned casual gaming there because I think that the controller is probably the most optimal kind of input you can have for a human to play games at like a high level. In my opinion, the controller is like the pinnacle of design. You're gonna be pissing off a lot of people that use mouse and keyboard now, but uh, that's true. I mean, the mouse and keyboard there's fight sticks as well. There's people who love fight sticks competitively. I just think you can't... Like, I've got an Xbox 360 controller here in my hand. That is and, like, the best controller of all time. To, like, show, show me a better way. I do For third-person action games, for Blasphemous and for Hades, I'm using this. Yeah. If I'm playing Overwatch, sure, I'll jump on the mouse and keyboard, but that's just because you've got... M- mouse aiming. Mouse right. aim, right? But I, I seriously think that for probably like 60% of gaming experiences, um, I'll, I'll tend to a controller. I think controllers are, are great. But in saying that, I think that for super casuals... A controllerless gaming is going to come in you're just going to have something that reads your hands and you can do all the swiping Wii style stuff fruit and injury touchscreen style gameplay without that that um, black boxing you get from okay. a controller or a mouse and keyboard that's fair that's, a, that's an interesting rumination I also think that large companies like Tencent um, Epic maybe as just using them as an example are going to move to mobile and nothing more. Uh, I think Konami have tried it and failed. Like they took Silent Hill onto mobile, which is insane. They made it a, an on um, a mobile rail shooter. Uh, that's not what Silent Hill is. <laughs> if you're going to take an IP you have, you have to appropriate it for a platform. Yeah. Like you have to, especially mobile, like touch, it's going to have to be a touch controlled thing. Mm-hmm. If you're going to put Time Crisis on there, that might work because it's a light gun game. Yeah. Putting an eerie thriller third-person horror game on there is just not going to work. It's not the environment to play it on. It's not the medium to experience it. Yeah. And then going, okay, well, we'll just appropriate this and make it into a, a shooting game. It's not what it is. I think, I think because mobile makes so much money and as we go forwards mobile phones are just going to get more powerful bigger screens more accessibility options it's just going to get more and more 
the, the market is just going to expand mm. and big companies are going to see that and they're going to focus their efforts there. I think first party games are still going to remain core, like core consoles. Yeah. Core, um, core consoles and PC. But I think it's only going to be first parties and indies that keep gaming as we know it. Me, me and you, when I say we, you know, like growing up when we Proper did. gamers. I'd yeah. Say. Keep that kind of gaming alive. And I'm also predicting, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to give a big prediction here. I predict another crash of sorts. You reckon? I think we're getting... Like 1983? 83? Whatever the first crash was. E.T., the the 1980s crash. Uh, What's going to tip over? What's going to be the thing? What's going to be that straw on that camel's back? Think of the mobile market now. Mm. Think of how many games there are and how many apps there are. It's just... Apple Store isn't regulated, is it? I don't think. No. We could put up a game today that doesn't work. It's massively oversaturated. Then you've got... um, Alongside that, you have the microtransactions I've already touched upon. Mm. I think that is pushing gaming into like a dangerous space where it's be it wants to be regulated more. People are more mistrustful of games than they ever have been. I think now that they're almost perceived as predatory in a lot of lights. You know, Wait, certain so games are seen as being exploitative. Sure, I bet some people probably see that loot box stuff as this, along the same kind of lines as like online bingo sites. And maybe yeah, yeah. even in extreme cases, like almost like payday loan companies. It's not good. Like, it's, it's a bad look for gaming. Yeah. Certainly. There's that. Then you've got the Steam store, which is a wash at the minute with asset flips and hentai games. There's just so much crud on there. And I looked up a stat on early access. Uh, according to PC Gamer, only 25% of early access games on the Steam marketplace make it to full release. And people are buying those, putting money into it. It's already kind of a meme that if you see a game that's early access and touted as being a third-person Soulsborne, it's just a waste of money because it's never going to get released. Yeah. Like Daisy, you know, yeah. stuff like that. It's, all this stuff goes into early access or crowdfunding, crowdfunding games as well. I think there's so many people that want to make a game that can't. And there's so many people who are exploiting that mindset as well for monetary gain that yeah. we're getting to this. I feel like there's like a, a crux. There's, there's going to be like a critical mass of mistrust in games and gaming. And it's going to, it's it's going to boil collapse. over. It's going to yeah. boil over. It's going to collapse. Something is going to happen. I'm not, going to say, I'm not saying that the gaming industry is going to become not profitable. But we've, we've seen a microcosm of it with Blizzard, Bethesda. They've come crashing down recently you know, like they, no no matter how big, big you are nothing is like no one's safe no not if you keep making ridiculous decisions and that can be said for maybe an entire industry you know if you if these decisions these poor decisions keep being made and people keep making games that are exploitative and driven by the want for money then you, you're going to ruin the market and i think i honestly think that's going to happen in the next 10 years well i hope it doesn't but i fear that you you may be right on some scale, yeah. I think something's going to happen, or, or we'll see some kind of inversion where the big boys at the top now are going to fall from grace, and we get like a reset, and all the the mid level developers that we've got that are making some of the titles, like like you know Hades and, mm. and stuff like that, they'll rise, and you will have a, maybe like a like a gaming renaissance where we get true. I'd be right with that. Games a gaming gamers. Ragnarok. With a, the complete destruction of the gaming world, <laughs> I'd be right with that. Uh, yeah, that's 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 my uh, two pence on the next ten years. Oh, that was that was really good. Yeah, well, thank yeah. You, man.
I comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> if I was listening to this on right YouTube, now, if yeah. I was listening to this on YouTube, I comment on it right now. So why yeah. don't you? Well, well, you can you can do that. I saw, I saw you subscribe to it. I, I did. Yeah. yeah, we're the main subscribers. Yeah, Hi. that's sad. I can. Yeah, we have to be really, don't we? <laughs> There's not really much. It's like uh, these guys aren't really putting in enough to sub, sub to it. But just like, do you want the next question? Next question for next time. We could do that. So the question for the next episode is Matt, fill us in. What is the best way? For a game to implement a tutorial. Do, we, do you think we need clarification on that? No. No? I think that's pretty that's straightforward. Yeah. Self-contained? Okay. Well, what, okay, we could say, what do we consider a tutorial? How a, game, we don't. how a game explains controls or the mechanics of a game. How it conveys that to the player. Okay. Yeah, all right. That's a bit of clarification. So that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Yeah, thank you for choosing to spend your time here with us. And keep an eye out for Vox Ludio on YouTube, which is up but not active. It's, yeah, it's, it's there. It's there, two, it exists. Yeah, two, two episodes. We've got the last episode and this episode that will yeah. be ready to go up on there. Get to see our nice card and directly interact with us yeah. with the, in the comments. Want, yeah, comment, like, do what you want. If you like it, oh, like stuff. it. Yeah, yeah. If you want to sub, that's great. If not, we don't hold it against you. Well, I, I think won't. Matt might. but We'll I get better at this, this part. Yeah, I feel like this we're is... getting better. I'd say we're getting better every week. If people yeah. are sticking with it, that's which a positive thing. All my friends are because I make them listen to it. <laughs> Strap them down, give them no choice. Uh, yeah, is that we? Is that the outcome? we don't we don't need to beg anymore, do we? For people, we don't have to be like keep an eye out for YouTube because yeah, it happens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh right. What well. a terribly unprofessional outro, but I think we should do it that way. Yeah. That's okay. done. It's in there. Right. Bye. Bye.